Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. <clears throat> Hope you guys are doing well as you come on. As usual, please tag and share for me, if you don't mind. Tag and share. Give it a few minutes. Start logging on. So Washington, Sarah, how are you? Hey Chandra, hey Richard. You guys, you would please tag and share for me. Tag and share. Hope you guys are having a great day today. I had a good day. The weather was super nice today. Enjoyed our three mile walk today. Um, it was really nice, wind blowing, shady. Good to see you too, Sarah Washington. Uh, good to see you as well. That baby boy is looking great. Running around, having fun, doing what he's supposed to do. What's up, Santresa? How are you? What's up, Sad? Hey, Quintana. What's up, Dad? How are you today? What's up, H? You guys start tagging and sharing. I would appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that greatly. What's up, Whitney Forrest? How are you, girl? Hope you and your girls and son, y'all are all doing well. Thank you, guys. I see y'all are tagging and sharing. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. And then I'm going to give it a few minutes and then we'll, we'll get started. I'm going to grab another bottle of water. I'll be right back. tonight in the word i hope you were blessed by last week's message we're going to continue discussing pride and humility tonight uh, we'll we'll come back and do a review over pride um, and touch on some things that we didn't uh, talk about last week concerning pride and then we will uh roll into humility on tonight um Maybe get done, maybe not. We'll just whatever the Holy Spirit has for us tonight, that's what we will that's what we'll get. Yep, that's what we'll get. So while people are coming on, I got a couple more minutes. Let me go ahead and do announcements on the front end and then we'll do them again on the back end. As always, thank you for joining Refresh Bible Study every Wednesday, 8:30 Central Standard Time. Um, we say that because we got people who watch it from different areas of the country. So 8.30 Central Standard Time, you can join us for Refresh Bible Study. On Sunday at 9.30, you can join Pastor Chris at Kristen Valley Worships on Facebook. Sunday at 9.30 Central Standard Time, Kristen Valley Worships. Um, you can join her there. And then after she finishes with worship, then roll on over to Fellowship of Champions for the Sunday uh, message at 10 a.m. And then on Monday, uh, 
about Shunda's Monday mindset on her on her page, Shun Strickland. Uh, and then at 8, 8, 8 p.m., we start our fast. And so what I want to do, I invite you to fast with us. If you choose so, you can choose whatever you want to fast from. It could be simple. But, I mean, you could do that from 8 p.m. Monday night to 8 p.m. Tuesday night after prayer. And that's the other thing that we have during the week is Tuesday night prayer at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time on the Fellowship of Champions page. All right. So by my watch, I got 8.30. And so, as always, I try to be respect, respectful of your time. So whoever's on is on, and we're going to, to, to get started here. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are that you are Lord and that you are sovereign. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for peace and joy, joyfulness, Father. We thank you that right now, God, in the midst of everything that's going on, the pandemics, the race, everything, God, we thank you that Jesus is still Lord. He is our savior. He is our keeper. He is our protector. And we thank you that no weapon formed against us will ever prosper. We thank you for equality in all things. And we thank you, God, that you will shed light on all the dark areas inside of the church, inside of our nation, inside of our households, inside of us, Father. We thank you that your love exudes from us in abundance and that we love each other the way that you have loved us. And Father, as your word comes tonight, God, I thank you that it's all of you, God, that you work through me to speak your word to your people so that we may all grow uh, and and express your kingdom in this earth. In your son Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, let's get rolling. Um, yeah, so if you're on the, uh, if you're on the, I got two things going. So if you're on the Fellowship of Champion page, uh, Pastor Edwin is letting us know, 8 p.m. Monday to 8 p.m. Tuesday, we fast from something. Pick something. I encourage y'all on my personal page. Man, fasting is good for you. Uh, physically, yes, but spiritually, it, it is really good for you because it moves you in position to hear God. Uh, fasting doesn't move God, uh, but it moves us in position to hear God better. All right, but that's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. Uh, hey, on the FOC page, does everything look fine? I had to use my iPad today because Ava got my iPhone. So everything look fine on the FOC side? And like I said, and as they're waiting to tell me if everything looks fine and they can hear me well, um, guys, comment. If you got things to comment, if something agrees with you, say amen, things like that. So uh, if, if give me some hearts, give me likes. Let me know if it is, is working for you. Everything looks fine. Thanks, Pastor Chris. So let's get started. So today we'll briefly review pride and how it can discreetly destroy the life of a believer, as well as we'll introduce humility. And so that's our goal by tonight. But by the end of tonight, I would like to have closed out pride and then entered into understanding what it means to be humble or to walk in humility. So a brief review from last night, and there by no means do I have the time to go over everything that we discussed last week. Please go back and listen to that because I think it will really bless your soul concerning how the enemy uses pride to cause us to miss out on what God has for us and how the enemy never desired for us to worship him. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Shun and she brought that up. Like the enemy didn't even desire for Eve to worship her. 
He introduced Eve to being God of her own life. And that's what pride does. Pride, pride makes you God of your own life. And so let's talk about it. Human pride directly undermines everything God created us to be. So number one, pride undermines the works of God. In Proverbs 16, God detests the proud. They will surely be punished, is what it says. Also, Pastor Evan, I sent you the notes. Uh, I forgot to tell you I sent them to you. So if you want to use that or not, that's fine. Pride removes Christ as Lord and makes you God of ourselves. Ourselves. So when I operate in pride, well, it does. It, it, it builds me as an idol in my own life and it removes God. It makes me big. It makes God small. So every time I walk in pride, when I'm doing this, I'm eroding my soul, um, my mind, my will, my imaginations, my emotions, my intellect. All of that is coming, becoming less and less like God. Because anytime I operate in pride, I make myself God. Over time, pride erodes our souls and it hinders our intimacy with God and love and others. You can't be prideful and be intimate with God at the same time. I mean, if you're in a marriage relationship, I mean, you know how it goes. I mean, you can't be just as a husband if I'm not talking to my wife, if I'm not intimate with my wife, not the sex part, the, the emotional part throughout the day, the, the time, quality time spent, if she's not feeling secure, all of those things matter when it comes down to experiencing intimacy. So if we're not spending time with God, then we can't expect to be intimate with God and to know his way of thinking. And so that erodes our soul. And the statement that we made last week was this. You cannot love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and be prideful at the same time. So we talked about Matthew 22 and 37. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He says, to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one is like unto it, to love your neighbor. And we paint the illustration of this. You got two big trees loving God and loving your neighbor. And let's just hang a hammock in the middle of it and everything else sits on the inside of that being bared up by the strength of loving God and loving your neighbor. But you can't love God and love your neighbor and be in pride at the same time. Why? Because pride Pride causes your vision to be on you and it causes God and others to be in the peripheral. So when I'm operating in pride, it makes it puts me at the forefront of everything that I do. It's selfish, basically. When I'm operating in pride, I become selfish. And so I become self-centered and everything else goes to the exterior. And when I am not loving God with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind, and, and I'm not loving my brother as unto myself, then everything else can't be, in the word, can't be supported. Why? Because the Bible says on these two laws, saying all of the law and all of the prophets. And so that's what we talked about last week. And we defined pride as this. Pride is an attitude of self-sufficiency, self-importance, and self-exaltation in relation to God. So when I'm talking about God, Concerning pride, it's when I, I, I exalt self, my self-sufficient. God, I love you, but I don't need you. God, you're important, but I'm more important. God, I know you're up here, you're lower, but I can make my own decisions for myself. 
All of those are byproducts of pride. And that's how we define pride. But towards, and that was towards God, but towards others, this is what pride looks like. It's an attitude of contempt, feeling a feeling that a person or thing is beneath you, and indifference, a lack of interest. So when towards other people, when I, when I operate in pride, I think I'm better than them. They're below me, and I don't even, I'm not concerned about their well-being. And in our country now, we have a bunch of people who are operating in pride. We have a bunch of people who are saying, look, a, black people are below me. Races are saying black people, African-American, brown-skinned people, minorities, they are below me. In the body of Christ, in so many churches, both big and small, we have pulpits filled with people who operate in pride. We have deacons, we have pastors, we have everybody from the pulpit to the people in the seats operating in pride. And what pride has done is caused people to have an attitude of contempt where they feel that they're above other people, where they feel like it's not their concern. I am my brother's keeper for the brother that looks just like me. I am my brother's keeper for the people that are in my circle. So we talked about that last night. We're not going to get caught up on that. All right. And so we talked about how Satan and Eve, we talked about them. Uh, Satan, how pride even entered in and Satan was cast to the earth and consume the earth, and then how he talked to Eve. Now, we'll take a moment to talk about this. How do people transition from humility to pride? Because the thing is, you could be operating in pride and you don't even realize it. You can be operating, pride is like, the example I used last week was pride is much like hypertension. It's the silent killer. What happens is you're operating in pride, you're operating in contempt, you're being indifferent towards people, you're putting yourself at the center, and sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing it, but that's what's occurring. And so what's happening is pride leads to disgrace, which is the reverse of grace. We talked about that last week. Pride leads to destruction and pride leads to failure. And so sometimes in your life, we'll talk about later, but you need to determine, you need to judge your seed based off your harvest. You're looking at harvest of bad things. You're looking at things not going your way. You're looking at destruction. You're looking at sucker punched all the time. You're looking at all your money being gone. You're looking at all your relationships being destroyed. You're looking at all this thing. Baby, look at your harvest and based off your harvest, indicates your seed because your seed can only produce a harvest based off the seed sown. So your harvest is an uh, indication of the seeds you've been sowing. So sometimes you've been sowing seeds of pride and you didn't even realize it. But look at your harvest. Your harvest will end be, be indicative of the seed that you have sown in the ground. So let's talk about how Eve got deceived into operating in pride. All right, we'll go through this quickly so we get through to humility. The first thing the enemy did was that he contradicted the word of God. He contradicted the word of God. He says, Eve, surely not. You'll eat of this and die. So at that moment, Eve had to make a decision. Do I hear God or do I believe this enemy that's talking to me? All right. And he didn't come as an enemy because think about it. If you're walking down, in, if you're in a parking lot or walking down the street 
It's not the person that approaches you that looks scary that you talk to. It's not the person that approaches you that look like they'll kill you that you talk to. The person that you take the time to talk to is the person that you can identify with in a way of being safe. It's a person that you can identify with in a way of being that they won't harm you. It's a person that you can identify with because you may have something in common. So when Eve started talking, because Eve knew the only people in the garden was her and Adam. So who is this guy? So Eve was interested and he contradicted the word of God and that gave space for Eve to reject the word and belief, unbelief to enter. Right? So now she has unbelief and she has rejection. That separates us from God and that starts the initiation of independence. So once I entertain a word that's opposite of what God has told me, here comes unbelief, here comes rejection. And in that space, it gives me the opportunity to begin to consider what it means to be independent. And the next thing that happens, what independence does, it changes my view. Think about if you wear glasses and things like that, or if you if you got, I mean, just think about a pair of purple shades, right? So if I'm standing outside and I put on purple shades, what those purple shades is gonna do is turn everything purple. So what independence did, it changed, it changed Eve's view, her focus and her percep perception. It presumed that she was greater than God. So what happens is a simple contradiction of the word of God opened up a space for Eve to have unbelief and reject the word, which then caused her to begin to perceive herself as independent and then to create thoughts. So now that I think I'm independent, now I'm thinking, hmm, God doesn't have my best interest in mind. Man, he holding out on me. And then from there becomes the rationalization of what was forbidden now becoming something that's okay. And see, that's how we begin to talk ourselves, to get ourselves from going from where God desires from us to go to where we want to go. Because I know God told you that that guy wasn't good for you, right? He, or that girl wasn't good for you. But what you did was had a friend and say, he sure look good, got a good job, got his own car and everything else. You heard a word that contradicted what God said. God said he ain't for you, but people in your group, well-meaning people, well-meaning friends said that he looked good, he got money, he got a house, he got a car, he's on his way up in the company. So now you just created a space to reject what God has said. And maybe it's not a man or a woman for you. Maybe it's a job for you. Maybe it's apologizing to your husband. Maybe it's apologizing to your wife. But whatever it is, what we have to understand is we cannot consider any word outside of that, that outside of what God has called us to, uh, to believe. We can't consider anything else. And so lastly, after you rationalize it, you take what was not good for you and through rationalization, it becomes good for you. And then like Eve in verse six, you exercise autonomy, which is independence from God and you sin. And so the first sin that we see was a sin from pride. Pride has been there from the beginning and that is the worst. And I mean, pride is like the grandfather of sin. It's your greatest enemy. And so that was what we talked about last week. It says pride blinds you to empathy. You can't empathize because it takes your view off you. People who operate in pride are incapable of seeing anybody other than themselves. 
pride blocks the view from anything other than you. Pride blocks the view from anything other than you. It makes God smaller. It makes us larger. It makes our, de our dependence moves from God to self and we become the center of our own world. Whether you know it or not, a lot of times when we're operating in pride, if you just stop and think, uh, anytime something doesn't go your way, you mad. If people don't move as fast as you like them to, you, 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 you upset. If McDonald's don't get your fries right, you upset. If somebody cuts you off in the middle of driving down the road, you upset. And what pride does is releases itself in the form of anger when you flip them off and you cuss them out or you go off on the person in the store because your, your order isn't right. Why? Because you're not even considering what things could have happened to cause that person to to run out in front of you in the road, to cause that person to mess up your order, or to cause your spouse to maybe say something that's outside of their uh, character. You're not considering anything outside of you and how you feel, and that is an indication that you're operating in pride because you are the center of every situation. You just need to tell yourself, it ain't, it ain't about me. Not all the time. It ain't always about you. And so what we have to realize is this, and is that uh, the fourth thing that we talked about, God moves to the peripheral when we're in pride. And then I went into talking about last week, and okay, that's perfect, about 15 minutes for review. We went in talking about last week about how that you do not abandon the God that established you or the prophet that helped you manifest. Do not abandon the the, the God that established you or the prophet to help you manifest. And so that's where we're about to pick up this week. All right. So that was a 15 minute review of last week for those who may not have been on. And let's get, let's get going from this week. Let's go to Ephesians 2 and 8. Ephesians 2 and 8. All right. Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, this is the gift of God. Grace is obtained by faith in God's free gift. So grace is a free gift given to us by God. And if I'm operating in pride, my faith is in my own self-sufficiency, importance, and not in God. It says, I may presume to acknowledge God verbally, but my actions say that I am God. Therefore, when I operate in pride, I am unable to access grace and what it provides. Why? For by grace you have been given through faith. Faith is the belief in God's word. So I receive grace by faith, right? Faith in God. But I can't be in pride and be in faith at the same time. Not God kind of faith. When I am in pride, I am in faith in my own self-sufficiency. But guess what I didn't give myself? I didn't give myself grace. So when I'm in pride and I'm believing in myself, it takes me out of believing in grace. And so then I am not able to receive all the gifts that grace provides. And so that's why it's important to stay in faith. So 
to stay humble because when I'm humble, I submit my will to God. And that's saying, God, I know without you, I am nothing, but with you, I'm everything. And I freely receive all that you have to offer. So now, God, I thank you through humility that I have faith and grace and grace always provides. But when I'm operating in self-sufficiency, when I'm operating in pride, it takes all faith off God and put faith in myself. And that's why a lot of us, uh, a lot of people, you wore down. That's why a lot of people are, are, are suffering from depression, suffering from all these anxiety and all of these illnesses because you're carrying weight that you were never designed to carry. You're carrying anxiety and all of those things. Those are byproducts that, that because when you operate in pride, you're operating in the flesh. You're putting yourself back under the law. And then when you're putting yourself back under the law, you reap the benefits of the law. What were the benefits when you didn't, uh, what were the things that happened when you didn't put, when you put yourself back under the law? Sickness enters your body. So a lot of things that we experience in our physical bodies are simply byproducts of the time of the fact that we have been operating in pride, trying to cause ourselves to accomplish what a good God has already given to us. Why create what was, why create that which has already been created? Why reinvent the wheel when all I have to do is submit to God and say, you know what, God, you, you said not to take that job, so I'm not going to take that job. You know what, God, you said not to fool with them, so I'm not going to fool with them. You know, God, you said shut up right now, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to shut up, God. See, this whole God that y'all got, that always nice to y'all, I mean, mm -mm. God's going to prune you. God's going to correct you because that's what the word says. He correct those that he loves. He chastises those that he loves. And so let's keep talking about it. It says, when we exalt ourselves in pride, God does not want to punish us. Get that straight. Even when you operate in pride, it is not God's desire to punish you but to forgive you and restore you. The consequences of pride is disgrace, destruction, and failure. Those are the three things we talked about. Disgrace, which is the reversal of the benefits of grace. Destruction, self-explanatory. Failure, self-explanatory. These are not from God, but it is harvest from the seed sown. And what we got to realize is not God's desire for you to fail. It's not God's desire for you to destruct. It's not God's desire for grace for you to be dis disgraced. But what is happening is we are reaping seeds from, I mean, harvest from the seeds that we have sown. It's not that God is making these bad things happen to you, but baby, you, when you sow seeds of, of pride, you reap the harvest from that. And so don't blame God for it. It's what is in the earth, seed time and harvest. Go, go to Galatians 6. Verses seven through nine, it says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Whatever you plant will be the very thing you harvest. And so you're wondering why, why God, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why are you doing? Your harvest is an indication of your seed. Your harvest is, is an indication of your seed. What seeds have you been sowing? Verse eight says, the harvest you reap, this is the Bible talking, this ain't Ralph. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. The harvest you reap 
reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the God, let's just stop there, corruption. If you plant the corrupt seeds of life, of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. What does that word corruption means? Dishonest or fraudulent conduct by those in power. The Bible says you're going to experience a harvest corruption. This and that word corruption means dishonest or fraudulent conduct by those in power. Who is in power? You're in power. So here is God. You have been and you have to go back to listen to a message we talked about Holy Spirit. But you have been called governors in this earth. When we begin to operate in pride, what we are doing is exhibiting corruption to the kingdom of God. And so we see all these people in the natural, these business owners, CEOs, school superintendents, all these people who have what? Power, when they do those things that's contrary to the business model, it's considered corruption. Why? Because a person in power has become dishonest. A person in power has become fraudulent. A person in power has been conducting themselves contrary to the business. And that's why the Lord says, that's why the Bible says you experience a harvest of corruption. Why? Because you have sown corruption. How did I sow corruption? What did God say in Genesis 1 and 26? He said, let me make man in my image and in my likeness. What did he give you? He gave you power. He gave you authority. He gave you dominion. When we begin to operate in pride, we're exhibiting corruption against the kingdom of God. Therefore, we harvest corruption. We harvest those things based off the seed that we have sown. But invert, if you keep reading though, if you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you'll reap the beautiful fruit that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds for the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you're planting is coming. In other words, being humble is going to get tiring. Being humble doesn't always feel good. Being humble doesn't always look good. Being humble isn't what your flesh wants to do. What your flesh wants to do is cuss them out. What your flesh wants to do is flip the middle finger. What your flesh wants to do is to lay in bed instead of pray. What your flesh wants to do is to do whatever that pleases itself. But what the word says is this, don't you grow weary, Ralph, in being humble. Hey, Jamal, don't grow weary in being humble. Miss Mary, don't grow weary in being humble. Hey, don't grow weary in being humble. Why? Because in due time, it says don't allow yourselves. That's good. I mean, if you look at, just let the word talk to you. And don't allow yourself. So who, how does tiring how do I get tired and humble? Because I allowed myself to do it. See, we blame so much on the enemy. Even Eve could have made a different decision. We blame so much on the enemy. Verse 9, Galatians 6, verse 9. And don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. How don't I desire, desire how don't I allow myself to do that? Let's keep talking. We, we're gonna get to that. All right, 
So let's wrap up our discussion on pride with a parable from the Pharisee. And uh, I'm actually going to skip the parable for the sake of time. But Luke 18, 9 through 14, it's a parable of the tax collector uh, and, and, uh, uh, and Pharisee. You know, the Pharisee thought he was all that. The tax collector didn't. Uh, and so let's summarize it. In other words, if you read all Luke 18, it will tell you this. The Pharisee trusted in himself and not God. He recognized his own efforts. He assumed his own superiority above the tax collector. He prided himself in religious acts. In other words, the Pharisee is like, hey, look, I've been fasting. I've been tithing. I've been giving. I've been coming to Sunday. I've been coming to mid. I've been coming to mindset Monday. I've been coming to prayer on Tuesday. I catch Ralph on Wednesday for a refreshed Bible study. I've been doing all that, God. And then who you got? A tax collector. You got this little guy, and and, and he come in there, and he's just saying, God, you know what? I'm worthless without you. I'm nothing without you. And the Bible says. Whose prayers were heard? And the prayer that was heard was that of the tax collector. God doesn't need your, your, your sacrifices in replacement of your obedience. God doesn't need, your tithe doesn't replace your obedience. Your church attendance doesn't replace, replace your obedience. You, 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 you give it, going and uh, volunteering at, at uh, nonprofits doesn't replace your obedience. There is nothing that can replace your obedience except your obedience. And so that's what the tax collector is doing. He's like, look at me, God. I got, I've been doing everything. But you ain't been loving when I told you to love. You ain't been pushing back that plate when I told you. And you ain't been doing all of that. And that's what God was saying. We have to be careful that we don't allow our acts to make us think that we qualify. Because you can't qualify for anything that God has. His gifts are freely given to us by what? By faith. It says humility acknowledges the need for God's mercy. Humility exalts where pride demotes. Part of aligning with God is exhibiting humility. It gives you the ability to be advanced. Humility gives you the ability to be advanced. This is a year of great harvest. This is your alignment, agreement, and advancement. But this is the word from the Lord. There is no advancement without humility. There is no advancement without humility. Why? Because humility acknowledges your need for God. Humility acknowledges your will is submitted to God's will. And humility aligns you with God and what he has already finished. So what humility is, humility is your access to advancement. Humil that that's what God said in, about, in uh, Luke 8 when he was talking to the Pharisee. I'm sorry, Luke 16. Let me make sure that's right. No, Luke 18. He says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What does that word exalted means? to hold in high regard, to raise to a higher rank or position of great power. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about when God says for FOC, for the partners, for our virtual partners, this is your alignment, agreement, and advancement. Here's what I'm saying. God will exalt those. God will advance those 
who, who are humble. So how do I experience advancement? Through humility. Why? Because humility is what causes you to both agree and to align with God. And he does the exalting. He does the advancing of your life. He is the one that puts you in a position of great power. See, you on your job trying to figure out how to get a raise. You on your job trying to figure out what to do next. And you just never stop to commit your will to God and say, God, how do I do this? It's prideful to make your own plans without consulting God. And see, that's how simple it is to operate in pride. And I'm guilty. I, will, I repent, Lord, how many times I made a decision without ever consulting God. And every time I do that, I am operating in pride. I am self-exalting. I am self being self-sufficient and self-important. I am making myself an idol. I am centering myself in my own life. And I am putting God on the peripheral because I think that I can. I am big enough. I am strong enough. I know enough. I'm wise enough. I have enough understanding to make a decision for myself and consider infinity when I do it. Because when God gives you a, a way to do things, his way has considered every possibility of failure and overcame. So God's way is failure proof. Our way is finite. It, no matter how long you think about it, your way is always going to be finite. It doesn't have the ability to see into the future. It doesn't have the ability to see the roadblocks. It doesn't have the ability to see COVID-19 hitting. It doesn't have the ability to see George Floyd dying at the hand of a cop. It doesn't have the ability to see how that impact everything in our economy, in our society. Your ways are finite to the moment in which you thought them. But God's ways are infinite. You can run over there to Psalms 119 and 96 and read it for yourself. His ways are infinite. He has considered every aspect of failure and then overcame them. That's why the Bible says that we have victory in Christ. Why? Because in Christ, he has already eliminated failure and gave you a perfect plan. But that's why pride leads to failure. Because when you think about yourself, that's why if, if people would just listen to God, listen to other people in their life that God has called into their life, y'all, we, we could eliminate a lot of failure. Because God put people in your life to say, hey, don't do that. But then you be like, no, nah, I, I can make a decision on my own. Kid, kids, some of my kids, like, I got... I got this thing where I'm like, lessons learned and, and lessons brought. I love my kids just to learn the lesson, but I hate for them to pay for lessons. Today we was on a walk and I I kept telling uh, Major uh, Aiden, I said, guys, quit walking on the edge of the sidewalk. You can hurt yourself. There are gaps in the sidewalk. There are holes in the sidewalk. Hey, quit doing that. And as a father, my job is to keep you safe, right? Yeah, daddy, that's your job. So listen to me. Stop walking on the edge of the sidewalk. Okay. They stop for a moment, and then guess where they find themselves? Back on the edge. Why? Because flesh 
pride, what you think you want to do, what you think you need to do. Sometimes you think you know what's safe for yourself. Baby, you don't know what's safe for you. You don't even know what's good for you. You're incapable of understanding the aspects and the infinite thought that goes into understanding what's good for you. And so I was telling them, and Aiden's on his scooter, one of the metal razor scooter things. He's riding and he's on the edge and April tells him, and I said, April, I said, I, I, I keep telling him, I said, he gonna buy a lesson that he don't want. Sure enough, well, I just said it out loud. That's what I was thinking. And sure enough, I'm like, Aiden, stop. And he keeps going and man, his, his wheels got caught in the side of that sidewalk. And, and I mean, it stopped him in his tracks. But what we know about gravity, Newton is this, an object in motion stays in motion. Though the, though the uh, razor stopped, he didn't. And so he brought, he bought himself, he paid for a lesson that was free if he were to listen. How many lessons through pride have we paid for that would have been free if we were to listen? Lord, I repent again. I can't. How many lessons have I paid for? Have I had to go through the, the, the mire and the clay, the rough side of the mountain, whatever else we want to call it? How many times have I had to do that because I was simply too prideful, too self-sufficient to just simply listen to my father? Why? Because it's his job to keep me safe. It's his job to keep your money safe. It's his job to keep your mind safe. It's his job to keep your relationship safe. It's his job to keep your health safe. It's his job to keep you safe. But what pride does is put you in the middle of danger. And then it laughs at you when you get there. All right, let's keep going. That's good. That was that was the wrapping up of of, of, of pride. Let's let's and we're at nine. Oh, cool. We we're good. It says society. Let's go to First Peter five six and seven. First Peter five six and seven. That's good, Dad. Pride will make you buy a lesson that the Lord was trying to teach us for free. Pride will make you buy lessons that the Lord out there trying to teach you for free. I'm telling you. It says, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, out of the New English translation. It says, and God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Man, as I was reading this, you got, you got to read it out of New English translation. And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand, right? Then it says, by, B-Y. It's about to tell us how to humble ourselves to God by casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. So Ralph, how do I humble myself to God? I cast, I give it all to God. I cast everything I care about on God. And why do I do it? Because he cares for me. And so what does that mean? So that means is this, to order in order to be humble, it means I take everything I'm about, my will, my imagination, my emotions, my intellect, uh, my mind, you know, my soul, my flesh, 
And what I, I care about all those things, right? And so what I do, I simply cast them onto God because he cares for me. And it's that's how I began to walk in humility. And that's just an overview. Let's, let's dive into this. It says, society teaches us to be self-reliant, have a high self-esteem, and be independent. Develop critical thinking skills, problem-solve, and think outside the box. These are great tools to have, but our confidence must be in the Lord. We must humbly submit to his ways so that we can take on the mind of Christ and in our dependence on him, he will exalt us to the place we were destined to reside. So many of you haven't got to where you're trying to go because you're trying to do it on your own. You ain't been exalted. You haven't been advanced because you're trying to advance yourself. You got to choose who's going to do the advancing. Either you're going to do it for yourself or you're going to let God do it. And it, it doesn't even matter how great you make it on your own. It doesn't It pales in comparison to what God has for you. It pales in comparison to what God has for you. It says through the, and, and let's just be honest. Humility isn't a popular word. We don't we don't like being humble. I mean, we, we talk about that song, be humble and all that. But uh, and you sing songs, but that's about the extent of most people's humility. They don't really want to be humble because being humble means that I am not in control, but God is. I'm not in control. God is. That's what it means being humble. Humble hum, humility is this. Not flipping them off. Yeah, they cut you off. Yeah, they wrong. Yeah, they they threw your change back to you when you checked out. Yeah, they coughing beside you and not giving you your six feet. Yeah, that your kids bad mouthed you. But God says, shut your mouth. God said, just be quiet. God just said, hug them instead of hit them. God says, pray for them instead of... Uh, saying those bad words to him. God said, don't hunk your horn at him. Why? Because that is what humility looks like. It looks like saying, okay, God, when I don't feel like doing it, I still do it because in the end time, I know if I humble myself right now, that you will exalt me. You will advance me. You will put me in my proper place. And that's what I'm talking about when humility leads to advancement. Humility establishes you so that God can put you in your proper place. Our soul is not naturally inclined to be humble. Our soul is prideful. It wants what it wants, when it wants it, and gets irritated when it don't happen. I know I should give some amens there because y'all know if, if some don't, if you want something and somebody don't get it to you when you want it, the way you want it, then you all irritated. Why? Because you think you're the center of the world. Get over yourself. So to move from being selfish and prideful to humbly submitting requires soul work. You, I can't. Commercial break. Y'all need to run over there if y'all haven't already. Sean Strickland, sign up from a Soul Shift classes because I'm telling you, man, there is so work that has to be done for you to live your best life. Some of y'all are prideful because it's the way y'all was raised. Some of y'all are prideful because you, 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 I mean, the way you was raised is so important. Like, 
like I try to really be careful of hearing God when he tell on how to raise our kids. But if you always cater, y'all have always been catered to. Some every time you fail, somebody picked you up. They patted your knee. You you never had to struggle for anything. Even, even your boyfriend and your girlfriends always tried to take care of you. And then you take that old self uh absorbed attitude and you bring it to the kingdom. But God ain't over here spoiling kids. What do you mean spoiling kids? God ain't over here rewarding you based off your bad attitude. God ain't rewarded. God says, even, look, he wants you to be willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. Right? So, but, but yeah, so you got soul work to do, soul shift, sign up for a class, sign up for a seminar, Sean Strickland. All right, so let's get back to the work. That was our commercial break because it'll help you. I did, I did a lot. I mean, April, we've been in a couple classes, April in class now, but man, when you begin to do that soul work, when I started thinking about, because I started talking about pride because God told me I was prideful and I'm like, God, I'm not prideful. And I'm like, because if anybody know me, I'm going to help anybody. I don't think anybody better than me. And see, some of us look at our actions and determine that we're not prideful. But God says, you're prideful because I've asked you to do things and you thought your way was better than mine. And so you exalted yourself, Ralph, as God. You made you an idol in your own life. It doesn't matter how you treated people. I'm talking about your disobedience to my word. Because the only way you can disobey God is that you become prideful and you think you good enough to do it your own way. So you prideful, son. And so here I am now, repenting and moving on because I have to understand that, that pride goes much deeper than just the way you treat people. Pride is about disobeying God. Pride is about destruction and disgrace. Pride is about the enemy coming into your life to steal. What is he stealing? He is stealing the word. Because anytime I operate in pride, that means I have to operate outside of the word of God. So the enemy has what? Stolen the word. Because if he can steal the word, if he can get me to do like Eve, if he can say, hey, Ralph, look, that ain't that big a deal to go right. I mean, you just going home, right? So what's the big deal if God said take Prince and you want to take Salem? Just take Salem. And what's the big deal? Now I'm entertaining. Should I take Salem? I'm creating space to reject God. Now I created the space to reject God, right? Now I'm over here. Uh, I've created the space to reject God. I'm in unbelief. Now I'm starting to think about being independent. Now what independence has done is given me a, a different perspective. Now I'm like, okay, I really can take Salem. Waze didn't say there was an accident on Salem. There wasn't anything that I could foresee because Waze does see the future. And so now, through independence, my perspective has changed. God said, take Prince. Now, all of this simply contradicting the word of God. I have opened up a space to unbelief. I have gained a new perspective. And now I'm rationalizing. And before you know, autonomy sets in. And I'm on Salem when God told me to take Prince. But we have made the word of God to be not a big deal. And that is how the enemy kills and destroys because he gets us to minimize the word of God. Amen. All right. We wrote. All right. So we must assign a new meaning. So humbling oneself isn't self-denial. 
but a positive act of dependence on God for help. Humility is this. It's not self-denial. It's not saying I'm not worth nothing. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. It is saying I have a positive action in depending on God for help. And for some of us, we got to do what Pastor Evan says. If it's something you don't like, it's not a new meaning to it. When I hum humbly submit myself to God, I always find myself harvesting good things. But when I do what Raph wants to do, when I operate in pride, I always find myself caught up. So which one do I want to do? That's what you probably should start with when you start thinking about disobeying God. Do I want to find myself buying a lesson or do I want to learn this lesson for free? Do I want to find myself harvesting the seeds uh, of corruption? Or do I want to find myself harvesting the goodness of God? Because based off what you want to harvest should determine the seed that you sow. We must assign a new meaning, develop different perspective, and fully embrace humility. We can do this by looking at the perfect example of Jesus Christ. And so we don't get finished with humility tonight, and I'm not going to rush it. That's one of the things I'm learning about Evan teaching me just to slow down. So, but I got to talk to y'all about the revelation on, on Christ and, and leaving heaven and walking earth. And that's where we're going to end tonight. Uh, it's going to be good. All right. Christ's act of leaving heaven to come to earth, to take the form of man was an unimaginable demonstration of humility. Once on earth, Jesus demonstrates humility countless times. So you got to understand here, you got Jesus, you got God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right, in heaven. And God sees that He we need redemption. And so Christ is living in luxury, you know? He left luxury to come to earth. He left perfection to enter imperfection. He left peace to enter a broken world. He did this because he fully understood humility, submission of his will to the Father. Jesus made it clear that humility is about service, not status, not submission, and not authority. Think about this. Jesus had everything he ever needed, desired in heaven, right? He had it all. And in Matthew 20 and 28 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You got Jesus, the son of God, the creator, who has every right to be worshiped and serve, but instead he don't earth serving. Instead, he leaves perfection to enter imperfection. He leaves luxury. See, some of us, we won't even leave the nice little house we live in. Our little three, four, five, six bedroom house, all this, you know, we don't even want to leave that to go to a little shack, right? We too good for that. But you imagine God in heaven and the perfection that's in heaven. You imagine Jesus coming to the earth. Why? Because Jesus understood humility. He understood that though his will was is important, but whose will was most important was that of the fathers. It says, Christ is the humility of God embodied in human nature. Christ is the humility of God embodied in the human nature. He is the eternal love humbling himself, clothing itself in meekness and gentleness, 
to win and save the lost. Christ is the humility of God embodied in human nature. Even God humble. I mean, think about that. God, his will was for us to serve him all the time. I mean, Adam, to serve him in perfection in Eden. It didn't work. So he had to create a new will, new way. And he says, how can I do this? I need to send something perfect. There is nothing perfect but me. So let me humble myself and not take the status as God, hallelujah, not to think more highly than I, of myself, not to consider myself equal with God, hallelujah. That's what Jesus says. Though not to consider myself equal with God, but to submit myself, to be humble, to obedience, even the death of the cross. He left heaven because he humbled himself to his father, God, so that we may be redeemed back to our father. Jesus did that for you. Philippians 2 and 5 says this. Think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status. No matter what. You might as well talk. I, I, I don't need to cling to the advantages of any status. You don't got to cling to the status of your reputation. You don't got to cling to the status of your title on your job. You don't got to cling to the status of your bank account. You don't got to cling to the status of your role in your family. You don't got to cling to that. If Jesus was willing to relinquish title, if Jesus was willing to relinquish all of that and in the end get exalted, and God not being a respected person, I don't got to worry about my reputation. I don't got to worry about my money. I don't got to worry about the opinions of other people. I don't got to worry about what my boss says. Now, I am not telling anybody to do anything contrary to what you're... I'm not telling y'all to go off on the deep end. I am saying, if God says, open your mouth, open your mouth, and don't worry about your job. If God says, go left, you go left, and not worry about what everybody else in your family is doing. If God says, invest in the company, don't look at your account and wonder if you can do it or not. You do it anyway. Don't consider status. Humble yourself unto God and in the end you will be exalted or advanced to the proper place. It says in Philippians 2, 5, 5 through 8, what we're reading, it says, when time came, he set aside the privileges. This is Jesus. He set aside the privileges of being deity and took on the status of being a slave. He became human. He put down everything. Having become human, he stayed human. I had to highlight that. I had never read that and paid attention. I never considered to this moment today that Jesus at any moment after coming to earth could have decided to go back. He could have decided at any time, God, I am done. I am done with these proper people. I am done with these sinners. I am done with these selfish, no good, talking about me, wanting to kill me type of people. But he says, having become human, he stayed human. He stayed human on our behalf. It was humility that kept Jesus. He forfeited his status for the assignment that was on his life.
See, so many of us, we don't want to forfeit status for the assignment. We always want to be the one in the spotlight. We always want to be the one that everybody see. God got assignments for your life that ain't about status, that ain't about people seeing what you're doing, that ain't about uh, people acknowledging you. But he wants to know, will you be like Jesus, who become human and stayed human? even though he knew that we would abort him, even though abort his will, even though we knew he would die. Every day Jesus walked the earth, he was fully comprehending what would happen to him. He was fully comprehending the sins that we'll commit. He was fully comprehending the times we'll turn our back on him. He was fully comprehending the vinegar, the, the thorns in his head, the, the nails in his hands. He was fully comprehending all of that. And it says, Heaven become human. He stayed human. Why? Because he understood the assignment. He humbled himself to God. It says it was an incredibly, this is the word, message translation. It was an incredibly humbling experience. I mean, process. He didn't claim any special privileges. Even though he could have called on the father for help, he simply did what the father willed for him to do. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and did die, and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Humility causes, I mean, it's, it's love that, I mean, that gets, I mean, to, I, I can't imagine every day being on earth knowing some of y'all would, wouldn't even, uh, give your, your enemy a rope to get pulled out of a ditch. And here is Christ who had become human, stayed human on your behalf. Why? Because humility, humility is what causes love. I mean, when I humble myself to the will of God, I express love. That's all I can exude because there's no way I can humbly submit to God and his will and love not be what comes out. If we're not careful, prideful attitudes cause us to think that being humble is weak and we will not get us what we want. This thinking could be costly to us in the workplace. It could be costly to us in our marriages, in our relationships, in our community, in church, and so many other ways. This perspective of pride blinds you from the benefits of humility. All right? So let's go to Philippians 2 9. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him. What obedience? The obedience of becoming human and staying human. The obedience of the humbling process. The obedience of dying, being selfless. The obedience of dying that death and being hung on the cross. It says, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and earth and those long ago dead and buried would bow and worship before Jesus Christ and call out and praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God. Listen, it wasn't, it, God ain't going to make you, I mean, this is Jesus he's talking about. So your name ain't going to be above Jesus' name and people bow to you. But what God is going to do is to ensure that you have everything you need. God is going to put you in the places that you thought you wanted to be in. He's going to put you in the places that you need to be in to express the authority and dominion that he has for you in this earth. That is what he is going to do. It is his obedience to be humble that caused Jesus to be lifted up. And it is our obedience to humility 
that is going to cause us to be advanced. It, it is when it is when we decide to put our own will down. Humility led to obedience and obedience led to exaltation. Humility led to obedience and obedience led to advancement. How am I going to advance in 2020? I'm going to obey God. How am I going to advance in 2020? I'm going to obey my pastors. I'm going to obey the prophet of the house. I'm going to follow them as they follow God. Now, it's going to be another week like last week, but I'm going to keep going. Y'all can hang up if you need to. Uh, look like y'all hanging in there. Let's talk about this last part and we'll wrap up. I'm on the last page. We have to ask ourselves, am I serving God or am I serving money? Am I serving God or am I serving relationships? Am I serving God or am I serving the opinions of other people? Am I serving fear, my job, my family tradition, religion, religious traditions, reputation? What, who is my Lord? We have to ask ourselves that. Jesus makes it clear the way to provision, abundance, and the good life is access through humility. Let's talk about Jesus in Luke 2.51, and that's where we're going to end. It says, and I don't, I'm not going to read all of Luke 2 to you, but y'all know it's when, when they went down uh, to Nazareth uh, and uh, Mary and Jacob and Jesus. And Jesus stayed and he talked to the, uh, and they thought he was in the camp and they walking back and everything like that. And they noticed Jesus ain't there. Uh, and so Mary gets all afraid. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? They go back and, and they find Jesus, right? And... Uh, and he's like, I'm about my father's business. Uh, and he's talking to him. Everybody's impressed with Jesus and his wisdom and all of that. But in Luke 2.51, it says this. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. He was obedient to them. Let's talk about that for a minute. Jesus submitted to his parents. He humbled himself. Here you got God in flesh submitting to man. That's humility. What, 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 what was the distance? He was on assignment. What we have to understand is God puts us on assignments. And regardless of our status, we got to humble ourselves to an assignment. And in this assignment, Jesus couldn't express his authority as God, even though he was God. He had to humble himself and submit to his parents. It says he humbled himself to ordinary everyday, inexperienced parents. They, this is their first kid. They didn't even know what they were doing. You know they screwed up. I remember one person telling me they, they tasted the Similac of their kid one time, and they taste nasty. They put salt in the milk. You, I mean, you don't know what Mary and Jacob was doing. I mean, they didn't have Similac back then, but I mean, she breastfeeding them like, hmm, whatever. They inexperienced parents, all right? And here you got God, Jesus, deserving worship and limitless praise, but yet he's choosing to obey earthly humans. Jesus was not insecure about who he was, but it was his security and who he was that caused him to humble himself. I don't got a time to talk about identity, but when you know who you are in Christ, 
you ain't messed up about other people's opinion. When you know what your assignment is in the kingdom, you ain't messed up about what other people are doing. When If God has called you to be the person that cleans the church, baby, you clean the church with excellence. You don't get caught up with being a pastor. You don't get caught up with being a greeter. You don't care about the recognition that people are like, woo, good word, pastor. You do your assignment with humility. And in doing your assignment with humility, God will exalt you in due time. He says, don't grow weary in well-doing. What's that well-doing? Don't grow weary in being humble. Don't grow weary in submitting your will to God. Don't grow weary with relying on me other than yourself. Don't go weary with looking at everything everybody else is doing and how they may be being promoted. Don't grow weary. Keep your eyes on me and in due time, I exalt you. Faint not, stagger not at the promises. It says, Jesus humbled himself to his parents, not because of their competencies, their status, their wisdom, but because God calling on their life. Jesus didn't humble himself to his parents because his parents had something to give them. A lot of us want to be under people. We'll submit to people who we feel like some they can give us something. I submit to them because they can promote me. I submit to them because they got money. I submit to them because they got they got connections. I submit to them because of this. You're not submit you're not humbly submitting yourself. You're you are being selfish. You are identifying yourself. You're self-centering yourself, saying, I connect to them because I'm going to benefit. But here, Jesus humbled himself because they didn't have the competency that Jesus had. You got to realize that Jesus was full of wisdom at this point. That's what the Bible says in Luke 2.40. He was full of wisdom. He was fully competent. And he sat with he had sat with all the teachers of the nations, right? And they was like, who is this kid that he know all of this? Jesus is getting all of this praise. He's getting all of this, this attention in Luke 47. They are amazed with Jesus. He had eclipsed his parents in understanding of spiritual and theological competency. But he still humbled himself. Because I bet Jesus was hearing Moses saying, honor your father and your mother. And here's a summary of what I want to tell you, FOC partners, and anybody who's listening to this. We are never too smart, too skilled, and too experienced to humble ourselves to God or our spiritual parents. It is so many people out here right now, you are lost in this world because you think you got more competency than the man of God that you've been called to. You think you're more intelligent than the man of God, the woman of God that you've been called to. You refuse to submit your will to the house. You refuse to submit your will to the boss and show up on time. You refuse to submit your will and do what God has called you to, to join the house. You, you do understand when God tells you to join a church, it's not for opinion. He is trying to get you somewhere where there's a prophet that will speak into your life. And so what we have to do, you don't outgrow an assignment from God. You do not outgrow an assignment from God unless God tells you it is time to move. It is time to do something different. You don't do anything different. I don't care if you're smarter than your pastor. I don't care if you think you got more Bible than your than your 
know the Bible better than your pastor. This is what I am telling you right now. You are never too smart. You are never too skilled. You are never too experienced. You are never too spiritual to be to humble yourself to the assignment of God and to the pastor and the prophet of the house. So wherever you go to church, if you can't humbly submit yourself to your man or your woman of God and do what they ask you to do, and you can't follow them as they follow God, you need to ask God if that's where you need to be. Because what happens is pride enters the church through people who entertain that they are God of their own lives. And now why are you even going to church? You ain't listening to nobody. You're going out of religious tradition because you ain't going to grow. You're just going to check a box. And the only reason he wants you to listen, because I remember years ago as a, as a teenager, maybe, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean told me, it's my job to see the blind spots in your life. God puts mentors, God put coaches, God put people in our life so that we may, so that they may see the blind spots in our life. They may, if you go study psychology, they may see the unknown self of yourself so they may grow you up. But it says if we, you got to be willing and humble so that God may exalt you. And some of the exaltation that you are desiring will never show up till you humbly submit yourself. You can't even do the basics on time. Coming to church on time is a basic. Giving tithes are basic. I mean, giving offerings are basic. Reading your Bibles are the basics. We still on breast milk when God is trying to grow us up. But why? Because we're still buying lessons that God has given us for free. And in this year of great harvest, in this year of our greatest harvest yet, I want to see us all experience the best that God has to offer by aligning ourselves and by agreeing through humility to be advanced. And when you hear your man and woman of God, when you hear your pastor and the words that they teach, and you take the time to study those words out, and you do those things the way that they desire, uh, not because they are anything special, but because that's the assignment that God has placed in your life. That's the place that you have called to be. And you got to understand that when I've been assigned to a place, to an ecclesia, to a body, then with that assignment to be there, he ain't just assigning you to go there for nothing. He's trying to exalt you. He's trying to advance you to the place that you need to go. But you can't get there by being disobedient to the man and the woman of God in the house. You can't get there by being a rebel in, in the body of Christ. You can't get there by going against the teachings of the house. You pray for your man and woman of God. You don't talk about your man and woman of God. You don't got to agree with everything they say. I don't agree with, I haven't agreed with every single thing that Pastor Edwin and Pastor Shun have said. I've been, I felt really convicted about some things been absolutely not not what for me at times. But what I did, I said, God, this is your assignment. What do I do with this? And God shows me where I'm wrong in my thinking. Why? Because you can't abandon an assignment. And so that's that's where I want to wrap up. And we'll we'll come back next week and we'll wrap up all this whole thing and everything. But I'm telling you, this is your year of great harvest. And this is stuff people don't like to hear. They don't like like my pastor just a man like I am. He is. And, and you can stay where you are just like you are. 
But what I tell you is this. 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. You can, you can run on over there. It says, believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established and believe in his prophets. So shall you prosper. If God assigned you to a place, submit. And, and that's to your husband. And that's to your wife. Like we could talk about this for a while. I'm not. But if you're in a married situation, uh, not situation, marriage, God assigned you there. Humbly submit yourself. And submission for the man of God looks like loving your wife like Christ loves the church. And so you can't expect no woman to follow you when you ain't expressing the love that Christ showed the church. You can't expect your woman to follow you when you're not loving her and taking care of her like Christ take care of the church. You're not, you're not creating safety. You're not creating an environment where she's safe to be who she is. Christ doesn't even limit us. See, here's the thing as a husband that men probably don't want to hear. Christ never made us choose. He gave us choice. But you got men out there trying to tell their wives what they're going to do. You can say law on that, and I ain't afraid of you. I'm just telling you what the word says. So we got to be careful even as husbands, that we're submitting ourselves humbly to God, not to do what our will is in our marriage, but to do what God's will is in our marriage. And if you humbly submit yourself to God, then you have a woman that'll follow you into some places that she's not even sure because she won't be trusting you. She'll be trusting the God in you. And that's why a lot of us don't trust God. Why do you operate in pride? Because you don't trust God. Abraham understood what it meant to trust God. And God wants to bless you. All right? He wants to bless you. And he wants to bless you so much so he, he told us in Abraham. He told, he told me in Abraham. I mean, telling Abraham, he said, Abraham. He said, you can trust me, Abraham. And he and Abraham, and Abraham's like, okay, God. He's like, but God said, no, you really could trust me. And if we put it in today's vernacular, it'll sound like this. God was, talking, God was looking at Abraham. Abraham, God was like, dude, you could trust me. I got you. You my God. I got you. Everything I told you, I'll do for you. And God was like, let me find something. I, 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 I put it on my mama. He's like, no, nah, if I had a mama. I would have created. He's like, but I'll put it on the oceans. He's like, no, I can't even put it on that. He's like, well, I I'll put it on the mountains that, that rise far above everything that anybody can see. He's like, no, I can't put it on that. He said, I'll put it on myself, Abraham. I swear by God myself, I'll bless you. He says, that's how you know I you can trust me. That's how you know that you can be humble and submit to the will to have many sons when you didn't even have a son. That's how you know, Abraham. I swear by myself, I put it on God, I'll bless you. I'll put it on God, I'll bless you, Abraham. I'll put it on God, it's your year of great harvest. I'll put it on God. Don't be worried about what you see, Abraham. Stagger not at the promises of God. But believe me, I put it on myself. God said, I'll bless you. And that's what he's telling us. When we walk in humility, he says, I put it on myself. I'll bless you. So don't let pride enter because you fail to trust God. 
God has swore by himself that he'll bless you. It is his good pleasure to give his children the kingdom. It is his good pleasure to give his children the kingdom. He's like, I don't, man. He's like, I can't lie. He said, he said, if I won't bless you, I'll stop being God. He said, I'll stop being God if I can't bless you, Abraham. If it won't come to pass, I'll stop being God if your marriage can't be uh, restored if I told you it could. I'll stop being God if you can't get that house after I told you you can get it. I'll stop being God if a word that I told you don't come to pass. Why? Because I put it on myself. I put it on everything that I am that I'll bless you. And we thank God that he is faithful to take care of his kids. Amen. So, man. So, I'm not going to apologize for going over. I saw most of y'all hung out. I appreciate it. And so, man, the, the word is good. And, and, and in this time, man, find yourself being in the word. It'll move you into God's finished works. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just so good. He, 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 he desires to give us his goodness. And all we got to do is humbly submit our will to his will to get the, so that we may be exalted. Amen. So announcements. Join us. Sunday, 930, Pastor uh, Chris. Christian Valley Worships. Uh, join us 10 o'clock for uh, Sunday morning service. Monday, Mindset at noon, Sean Strickland. Uh, Tuesday night at 8, prayer. And back here Wednesday next week at 8.30 Central Standard Time uh, for Wednesday night Bible study. But I'm telling you, I hear that just as clear as day, you got to trust God. You got to, even in a pandemic, you got to trust God. Even in a, a recession, you got to trust God. You got to fall in love with the word of God that your perspective, your lens, the way you see things becomes heaven and not earth. My filter for life becomes the word of God. And you got to love that word. And what I encourage you guys to do, like I've been telling you for long, you got to sow into the word. I encourage you. The word bless you tonight. Sow. Sow, fell, sow into to me who gave the word. Because the word bless you, sow into the person who delivered the word. But I'm not concerned about your seed. You obey God. You put seed in the ground. FOCchurch.com. You can give online. Sow into other people. But what I'm telling you is that, and it's the same thing I've been saying since I think I started with Fresh Bible Study, is it is not the time to withhold your hand. It is the enemy's conniving way to steal the story your life by getting you to think that this is a time to be short with your seed. It is not a time to be short with your seed. It is a time to be sowing. It is a time to be sowing more than you probably ever sowed. It is a time so that harvest will overtake you. Because you will know your heart, you will know your seed by the harvest that you, I mean, the harvest that you got coming in. God, sow right now, wherever it is, 
Wherever God tells you to give, give. But what I'll tell you is this. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Because this is what I, God said, his premises. He says, I won't be God no more if I, did, if I don't take care of you. He says, because I'll refuse to do without a prompt, quick to do giver, a cheerful giver. God says, I refuse to be without givers. I refuse to be without givers. So I'm going to find myself being a giver because I refuse. God says he refused to be without me. And he says, I will bless you beyond measure. He says, I will cause seeds and the windows of heaven to be open unto you. So as a tither, I have a right to have the windows of heaven open to me. Why? Because I sow seed. Your seed ain't just about receiving more money. Your seed is about connecting with God to receive every promise that he has for you. Your seed gives you access to things that other people don't get. So sow your seeds. I love you guys. Thanks so much for hanging in there with me. Bless you. Bless your life. I pray harvest overtakes you. And remember at Fellowship of Champions, we are a church that's teaching you how to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every, every area of your life. Be blessed, remain grateful, and stay hungry for the Word of God.